This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Joyful, joyful. Lounge on Joy 94.9. This is the show where we talk about spirituality and sexuality for our community. Good evening and welcome to the Spirit Lounge on Joy 94.9. And you're joined by myself, Mark, tonight, and Rachel is here. And it's Claudine at the panel. And it's Claudine at the panel. So tonight we have, we're going to uh, shake things up a little bit on tonight's show and do a little bit of a, a reverse order to what we normally do. We have some we're guests. Changing. We are changing. We have a couple of guests um, that are going to be joining us on the show. We're going to actually steal uh, Rowena Allen for a little bit of the show, but we also have um, the Reverend Robert Stringer on the phone who will be joining us to, to talk about um, some things happening in the Uniting Church. So we're going to change it around. We'll do Holy Day of the Week at the end of the show, so you'll just have to wait with beta breath to work out what Holy Day of the Week is going to be this week. Um, if you have any questions for us on the show tonight, make sure you send us a message, 0427 JOY949 or email onair at joy.org.au. Um, we would love to hear any questions or any comments that you have on our show to, about our show tonight. Definitely. So we have actually got Robert on the phone. So good evening, Robert. Uh, good evening, Mark. It's and good evening, uh, Ro. Well, uh, Rose, she's going to jump back in the studio in just a minute. She's just having a quick oh, okay. refresher. She's, she's doing a double yeah, okay. shift. Yes. <laughs> and here she is. And so, yes. So thank you, Robert, for joining us to talk tonight. We're going to start off, we're going to talk about um, the Daring Conference. So do you want to just give us a little bit of a quick rundown on what the Daring Conference is, Robert, to start us off? Yeah, um, we're having uh, the conference here in Melbourne. The Daring Conferences started in 1994 uh, in Adelaide and every two years since then, the Uniting Network of Gay, Lesbian, trans, Transgender, Bisexual and uh, Sexual Diversity people uh, and their friends, families and supporters have been gathering uh, to dare to do something different uh, in terms of the GLTBI and diverse, uh, diverse sexualities uh, within the church and the community. So this year it's daring to reach out, honouring our diversity, connecting with multi interfaith, uh, with our um, communities of uh, linguistic diversity and uh, the intersex and uh, uh, other ones that are not normally included. So it's a special attempt to reach out in that way. And that will be on the 10th to the 13th of June, which is the June long weekend at our Centre for Theology and Ministry. And we've got Rowena Allen here, who's um, just on her on her second hour after <laughs> Stand Up Straight. Um, Rowena Allen, you're actually, uh, I believe, opening the conference. Um, I am. Why, yeah, why, why is this important to you? Well, hi, Robert. How are you going? Hi there, Ro. <laughs> 
Robert, uh, Robert's been an ally in this in this forever, and I think he and I were at the very first daring conference when That's I was right. a, a baby dyke. Wow. I think I can say back then. Well, I was a bit younger anyway. Uh, so for me, it's important. It's, it's important to come back now as commissioner and open it. I've been the chair of United Network in my career, and uh, so this is really exciting to come back with Daring in Melbourne, me as the commissioner, and I get to open it. So it'll be old school week, really, for me. So it's like a bit of a turning, turning of the um, turning of the roles in a way. Absolutely, and you know, with a really, really friendly crowd. So, um, can you tell us a bit more about Uniting Network and its um, what it is and what it's what it's um, what it sets out to do? Either Robert or Ro. I'll have a go, well, Robert. Ro- <laughs> you have a go, and you can, Ro. You can I'm fill just in told the- them that. that uh, sexually diverse group, their friends, families and supporters, but that's, you might like to add to that. That's pretty much, that's pretty much it. And I, I think what's important about it is a national network across Uniting Church and, uh, you know, there are really supportive congregations in all parts and there are all states and the conference moves around the nation and it's not always in Melbourne, but this time it's in Melbourne. So there's a committee of United Network of which Robert has been a very, very strong ally on for just, I think, about ever. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it's, um, it's been great. The conferences have grown in numbers over the years. People still see it as really important. Uh, for our family, you know, we're not regular churchgoers anymore. We probably just go to Uniting Network events and Daring uh, and a couple of church services where I talk and things. But there's a lot of people like that that aren't, they're on the real fringes on the, on the outs um, and they just come to those really inclusive, inclusive spaces. And I think for other people who, you know, live in a congregation day in, day out, and they might be the only rainbow family or LGBTI person, coming together as a national network is an incredibly empowering experience. Always been the Queen's birthday, which we all think is pretty funny. Um, and come together and support each other to go back into their congregations and be the beacons. And does your role as commissioner involve much work with faith communities? It does a bit. I'm certainly working on a project around gay conversion therapy, you know, which is the, for those who don't know, is the, is the idea of, you know, you can pray away the gay. Uh, I'm, a, uh, I'm a survivor of gay conversion therapy, so clearly it works. Uh, <laughs> Congratulations <laughs> yes, we all on know. that. Yeah, yeah, yes, thank you. Thank quite you. a few people. Yeah, so, yes. that, you know, that's, it's really important. And, and the Victorian government has done some work to strengthen the Health Services Commissioner's ability to investigate some of this, but it's 10% legislation, it's 90% education. Mm. And so we need to keep, you know, supporting United Network or Free to Be or Queer Muslims or, you know, all these other groups to say we need to provide safe spaces in the intersections, in the faith communities where, where, people, where people are and people want to, you know, express not only their sexuality but their spirituality. Mm. So will you be hanging around for the entire conference yourself or are, are you just uh, able to do the openings? Oh, well, my, my diary is um, uh, above my pay grade. Somebody yes. else manages my diary these days. I hope to be there. I mean, I have a family too, my partner and our daughter. We're registered for the whole weekend. Yep. I think there's another work, there's two other work events I have to do during the long weekend, but rest of the time... Our family will be there. Amazing. It's wonderful. And we're looking forward to catching, because this is another time we get to catch up with our Western Australian friends and our South Australian friends, and it's a real catch-up space. Too right. 
And you're on the Spirit Lounge on Joy 94.9. And a special thank you to the Commissioner for Gender and Sexuality, Rowena Allen, who stayed on for a bit after the after her stand-up straight slot to talk to us about the Daring Conference. And we're here with one of the organisers of that conference, Robert Stringer, who will talk to us a bit more about the Daring Conference being run by the Uniting Network, what the conference is about and who's behind it and who, who will be appearing at this event um, so, Robert, can you remind us when when is this this year's conference? It's coming up very soon. <laughs> yeah, it's coming up at the long weekend from the tenth to the twelfth uh, of June. Uh, so it's a Friday evening, all day Saturday, all day Sunday, and then on Monday, if the interstate visitors, there'll be a bit of socialising. So that's uh, that's the date, and that'll be at the Centre for Ministry in Parkville. And do you expect many, many interstate visitors or will it mostly well, be... Well, I'm not sure how many interstate visitors. We're expecting about 60 people there. Um, hopefully there'll be some late uh, registrations. So hopefully there might be 70 or 80. Ah, yes. And so we should... But, uh, we will, hope, anyway. We will have uh, information on the website. But do tell us, uh, when do we... When can people register up, up until... I think you're not... They taking, can register, well, up until... About the end of the first week, uh, first weekend and uh, first weekend in June, uh, then we need to know numbers for catering purposes. Um, so yeah, we're open to, for those registrations until then. So we've had a look at at the program, and as you said, the the theme this year is daring to reach out, honouring our diversity, and that's including people from cultural and, and linguistic diverse cultures as well is that is that a new thing for the for the daring conference to talk about i guess uh our multicultural heritage as well as lgbti issues yeah this is the idea of reaching out was to reach out to the linguistic diverse communities within our own church not an easy task because uh they're generally much more conservative and are still struggling to come to terms with uh, you know, the gender issues. Uh, and we're also reaching out through our uniting world. That's our relationship to our, our overseas churches. Uh, so we're, And they also are very conservative and uh, not showing a lot of interest. But we do have... Uh, uh, people at our conference from the from Papua New Guinea and from Samoa, for example, Ken Moala, who is embraces the Fa'afini, a Samoan cultural identity that embodies the spirit of male and female characteristics. Mm. He's a, a founding member of the Samoan Fa'afini Association, and he holds a chiefly title of Fia Ai Litoa, which is uh, from uh, the Lipa. Uh, district of Yupolu in Samoa. And then we also have uh, Sayo Barave, who's a 39-year-old uh, public servant from uh, Papua New Guinea. And those together with uh, also one of our ministers, Reverend uh, Sunny Valagi, who will be uh, on a panel talking about uh, what it means to be uh, sexually diverse in, our, in those uh, linguistically different communities. So the Uniting Church has, and its uh, predecessors, the um, Methodist and Presbyterian churches, have had this long history of engagement with the Pacific. Are there other 
what, what other countries or cultures um, are represented in, in the Uniting Church these days? Uh, well, we, we have a lot of Pacific, uh, um, not Pacific, uh, Asian cultures like Korean, uh, Indonesian, uh, and at least those are the two that are the largest of these linguistically diverse communities. Uh, so I don't know of any who are coming from those communities, but we're also reaching out to uh, the Muslim community and we have uh, Noor um, Wasami, who is a Somali-born uh, Muslim who has come out as, uh, as gay within the Muslim community and is held in high regard. So we hope also to understand what it might be like to be young and queer in the Muslim community. Yes, we've had the privilege of having her on our program as well um, in the last year. Uh, so is this also another new direction is, is engaging with um, LGBT people from, from other faiths? Uh, That's right. We're, we're reaching out in that way as well. And then we're also reaching out to those who are coming out uh, as with a different gender diversity, like Tony Painter, um, who started out as male and has now taken on uh, female after being severely, uh, you know, going through mental health issues, being homeless and coming out and is now researching gender, gender identity and self-management in the gradual transition, uh, transition to uh, from male to female. Yes, and just thinking Tony Painter is also another uh, uh, f familiar face around the Joy studio, so it's there's a lot so of... So you can see we've yes, got some pretty good line-up there. Yes. <laughs> and what, um, how long have you, um, Robert, been in, involved in the Uniting Network? I've been involved in the Uniting Network since it was uh, inception in uh, 1994. I was then uh, the... the um, Secretary for Social Justice within the Uniting Church Assembly at the time. Uh, and uh, so it, it, because we're in social justice within the church, this was a, a very serious social justice issue. And so I have been fully supportive of this community uh, since long before that, uh, even way back when I first came to Australia in 1979. I was supporting uh, gay and lesbian families uh, who were gathering together to, for support for one another uh, with their friends and family uh, over in Perth and WA. So I have a long history of support for the GLTBI community. And also in because of what was happening in the church in the late 90s, uh, I did uh, my doctorate, a doctor of ministry through San Francisco Theological Seminary on the place of GLTBI Christians in the Uniting Church. So um, can you um, remind us what was going on in, um, in the 90s? It was a, a bit of a different place for the, for the Uniting Church. And what were the it certainly was a different there? place where one of our most senior ministers, uh, Reverend Dorothy McRae-McMahon, came out uh, uh, at the 90, 1997 assembly in Perth, and that was uh, certainly uh, sort of shook the foundations uh, when you have such a senior minister who was my uh, boss, the director of the Commission for Mission, coming out uh, with, her, with a partner. 
And at that point, we, were you uh, sorry, were you already involved in the LGBTI community? Yeah, very much so. Uh, I was involved with them, uh, as I said, right well before I was uh, the Secretary for Social Justice, uh, when I was uh, the uh, consultant for social justice in the Synod of WA way back in the early 80s. So I've been involved, you know, for 36 years now. Have you seen in the, in the last 20 to 30 years, has, has it been easier for um, people in the Uniting Church from LGBTI backgrounds to, I suppose, step up? Um, and it's, it's, I think it, it's, it sounds like there's, um, through allies such as yourself who have been paving the way for, um, for, the, for, this, for these discussions in the last few decades, has it been easier for... Um, has there been more room for LGBTI people to, I guess, take the, perhaps take more of that leadership? Yes. Uh, there's a lot of our clergy have come out in that time. Uh, probably there's maybe a dozen to 20. Uh, nobody knows the exact number uh, who have come out as gay and, gay and lesbian and or have partners. Uh, that's been... A slow process and often a very painful process. Uh, there has emerged a number of congregations who are well known to be very open and embrace gay and lesbian people, uh, particularly congregations like Pitt Street in Sydney. Uh, and so, you know, there's a number of congregations who uh, have been able to make a safe place, but there's still a lot of congregations who are not safe, especially some that belong to the more conservative network of our church. Uh, and last time we had the conference six years ago here in, in Melbourne, we were daring to be united. We were um, developing sacred uh, ceremonies for gay and lesbian relationships. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that's really skyrocketed since then is the emergence of marriage equality uh, within the Australian community as something that's accepted by well over 70% of the Australian population. And I suppose the Uniting Church, along with perhaps the Anglican Church, have been you know, supportive of that, but still with a lot of pockets of, uh, of resistance. That was the family maiden aunt by Judy Small, a special request from Avril Hannah-Jones, who is one of the speakers at the Uniting Network Daring Conference. And you're on the Spirit Lounge on Joy 94.9, where we're talking to one of the organisers of that conference, Robert Stringer. Um, Robert, so Avril and uh, Jeff Thompson, another theologian, will be presenting a couple of sessions on the Uniting Church and marriage. Can you tell us a bit about what, what that's about? Yeah, well, as part of the conference, there will be workshops, and one of the workshops is being led by Avril and uh, Jeff Thompson. Uh, they are members of the uh, representatives of the National Assembly Doctrine Working Group that has been tasked by the church to look at uh, marriage and how we define it and uh, how that might be related to marriage equality as the debate is emerging in the church and again the church is finding this a difficult issue to come to terms with because like uh, the conservative government under Howard the church immediately followed Howard and 
made the decision that marriage was between a male and a female. So uh, instead of having a sort of openness from the past, we suddenly had in the 90s this uh, redefinition, well, this definition of marriage is only male and female. And once you've got something like that on the books, uh, it really takes a lot of work to uh, shift it because you've got to re-theologize and uh, challenge the thinking that comes through the tradition and how it embraces the changes that are taking place in society and in our and understanding of what it means to be in uh, same-gender relationships. So where is that that discussion up to with the Uniting Church? Is there a, uh, is it a discussion paper or is there, are there recommendations or are there? Well, there has there? been a discussion paper, but uh, it didn't come out clearly uh, enough uh, as a uh, way forward. Um, it took a really traditional um, sort of uh, systematic theology approach to, to the task and uh, I don't think it really examined uh, people's experience and what uh, we scientifically know uh, about what makes people attracted to people of the same gender. So there's still a lot of work to be done uh, both in the science and in the theology of what it means to extend uh, marriage to two persons because two persons whether they're uh, heterosexual or gay or lesbian or intersex or whatever are persons who are very capable of a close monogamous loving caring relationship and uh, that needs to be looked at uh, um, you know from a theological perspective and uh, even Catholic theologians have said that uh, um, a gay or lesbian relationship is a relationship to, to, of two people who, in a loving relationship, are attracted to each other sexually. So if, if the Australian government were somehow to, to uh, legislate for marriage equality in the, next, in the near future, if, um, if that were to happen, where would that leave the Uniting Church? Well, the Uniting Church, like nearly all the churches, would be caught with, uh, dare I say, with their pants down, uh, in the sense that they probably haven't done the necessary theological thinking to uh, be able to shift people uh, theologically and uh, biblically in terms of love being the core, one of the, you know, well, the core understanding of what the Christian faith is about. Uh, so we would be caught, and also a lot of clergy like Avril Hannah-Jones and myself, uh, you know, we, we've, we struggle at present. Uh, I was taking a marriage a couple of months ago, and the young couple wanted as part of the marriage service to say, um, you know, their understanding of marriage was between two persons, and because of the law and because of the Uniting Church, we had to talk about marriages between a, a woman, a man and a woman. Uh, but at the same time, they wanted to acknowledge that as young people, they uh, differed from what the church was thinking. So I found that very interesting that a young couple wanted to say that uh, as part of the, their marriage commitment. And does the, does the Uniting Church, is, are there people who celebrate, uh, are there any provisions for celebrating 
same-sex relationships outside yes, of marriage? Yes, uh, there are provisions, but the, uh, the law, LAW of the church, is that uh, it must not resemble a marriage service. So uh, the Uniting Network at its conference three years ago, launched, uh, six years ago, launched a book of uh, sacred union ceremonies. And as we launched it, we uh, were sort of uh, preempting the marriage equality debate and we put in the marriage service in a degendered form and then put a little note that we're not legally al uh, allowed to use it in that form at present. Uh, but, you know, we're hoping that things will, will move on. Otherwise, there'll be clergy who will certainly take the option of uh, celebrating uh, same-gender relationships. Uh, if it became law, I would certainly be one of them. And I'm sure Avril would be one. In fact, I heard Avril was uh, not happy about taking marriages until marriage equality became the norm. And how hard is it to change church law in the Uniting Network, Robert? Uh, it's not difficult in the Uniting Network, but it's difficult within the Uniting Church because uh, you've got to be able to take a well-argued case to the assembly, which happens every three years, um, and you know, be able to have it debated by uh, uh, the wide range of whoever was elected from parishes and, and presbyteries of the Uniting Church. And on the whole, this is generally being a progressive assembly, but it's always concerned uh, about the effects of things like uh, marriage equality on particularly our Aboriginal uh, church, the Congress, and also on the uh, linguistically diverse communities who, uh, uh, who the Conservatives use to uh, um, bolster their case to oppose any changes. But as we've seen, the, your conference coming up does have quite a few uh, people speaking, um, coming from those cold communities as well as the LGBTI community. So I think that's that's really great um, bridge building help um, going on there. Can you? That's what we're hoping to yeah, do. Can you remind us about the um, the details of the conference? It's two. It's a, a one an opening night um, and two full days. Is is so. Do you take registrations just for the whole conference or are there day? Um, well, people can uh, book for just one day. Um, there are a number of options there uh, on the website. So you just type in to any Google uh, Uniting Network and it'll come up with, uh, well, certainly when I typed it in, that was the first thing that came up on the Google search and you'll find the conference is the first thing listed uh, under that uh, that heading. And we'll put a link to that on our um, Facebook and and, webs and Twitter accounts as well. Fantastic, yeah. yeah. And uh, put, put the, if you can take the image that's there and put it on your Facebook as well. We've got a couple of weeks to register, I believe. That's right. Yeah, we'll take registrations. And is the conference open to everybody, Robert? Is it, or is it just for the Uniting Church members? Or, well, we do have people who come from other uh, church communities, particularly uh, sometimes the uh, Metropolitan Community Church. Uh, and uh, in fact, when we've been in Sydney, we actually met at the Metropolitan Community Church one year. Uh, yeah. So, and I know occasional Anglican and others uh, do come, but it's mainly for members of the Uniting Church. But, but it's very much open to whoever would like to come. Yep, so it's open to anybody. Yes. 
Great. Well, thank you so much for speaking with us this evening, Robert. Um, it's been a pleasure and hopefully we've been able to give uh, lots of information to people who might be listening that are interested in the Daring Conference. So just a, remind, but rem a reminder that it, it is from the 10th to the 12th of June on that long weekend. Uh, and you can just Google Uniting Network and hopefully you'll find it. You're listening to the Spirit Lounge on Joy 94.9. Thank you to Brad, who sent a message to us just clarifying that fact about the changing, um, Howard government changing the Marriage Act actually happened in 2004, not in the 90s. But it is, um, and making the point that, well, that was a, in a, in a sense, a redefinition of what we consider traditional marriage. I mean, marriage has been redefined for thousands of years. And in terms of marriage equality, this is something that people like Robert Stringer, our guest in the Uniting Church, have been working on for, for decades, for at least 30 years. But that, so we've, um, we were speaking to Robert Stringer earlier about the Daring Conference. And if, if you're just tuning in now and you've missed that, do look at our Facebook page and our podcast, which will be up in a couple of days with details about that conference. As we said at the start, we've done a bit of a back to front this week. We've had our, our main interview for the for up till now, and now we're going back to the start. Are you ready for a miracle? Are you ready for a miracle? All right, that's right. We have our holy day of the week. Uh, we're ending our show with the holy day tonight. Uh, this is the Baha'i celebration of the Declaration of the Bab. Uh, so Baha'is around the world will celebrate on May 22nd uh, as the Declaration of the Bab. So the Bab is uh, seen as the messenger of God who was to tell the world about the coming of the latest manifestation of God. Um, there are many stories surrounding the Declaration of the Bab, uh, but I'm going to let you know about the most commonly known story that there is. Okay, so here goes. Should I put on my reading voice? Do, please. In 1783, a man named Sheikh Ahmad I Ashhai, at the age of 40, decided to travel through Persia, teaching that the advent of the coming of the latest manifestation of God was near. During this time, there was great discontent in the East as prominent clerics were acting in a way which was damaging to Islam. As he spread his message, his wisdom and knowledge impressed many and they were eager to learn from him. Um, Mullah Hussain was a student... Oh, Hussein was a student who went on to teach the message of the coming of the manifestation of God. And on May 22nd, 1844, having travelled far in his search for the promised one, Hussein sent his family to the mosque for prayer in the city of Shiraz as he wandered around. And while walking outside the gates of the city, a few hours before sunset, he was unexpectedly greeted by a young man. Hussein believed this young man must have been a disciple of Sheikh Ahmad, who had heard of his arrival and came to greet him in Shiraz. Even so, the manner of his greeting was astonishing. Hussein joined this man in his home and they spoke for hours. And during this time, he believed the young man to be the Bab. But to test him, he had to ask two things. Firstly, to produce an in-depth treatise, which is a detailed commentary, uh, regarding concealed teaching of the Sheikh Ahmad and Siad Kazim, and the second was to unravel the mysteries of Suri of, U of 
Yosef. Uh, this was a chapter of the Quran. So Mullah Hussein recounted the following. I have previously requested Sayyid Kazim in private to write a commentary on that same surah, which he refused, saying, this is verily beyond me. He, that great one who comes after me will unasked reveal it for you. That commentary will constitute one of the weightiest testimonies of his truth and one of the clearest evidences of the loftiness of his position. So Mullah Hussein asked his host to comment on the treaties he had written. The result of that request only further astonished him. He graciously compiled with my wish. He opened the book, glanced at certain passages, closed it and began to address me. Within a few minutes he had, with characteristic vigour and charm, unravelled all its mysteries and resolved all of its problems. Having to my entire satisfaction accomplished with so short a time the task I had expelled for him to perform. He further expounded me to certain truths which could be found neither in the reported sayings of the imams of the faith nor in the writings of the Sheikh Ahmad or Siad Kazim. These truths which I had never heard before seemed to be endowed with refreshing vividness and power. He then proceeded to say, now is the time to reveal the commentary of the Surah of Joseph. He took up his pen and with incredibly rapid, in incredible rapidity revealed the entire Suri of Mulk, the first chapter of his commentary of the Surai of Joseph. Uh, Hussein described that the Bab did not pause once until the entire um, Surai of Mulk was completed. Finally, when he begged to leave to depart, he recounted the following. This night... He, the Bab, declared, this very hour will, in the days to come, be celebrated as one of the greatest and most significant of all festivals. Render thanks to God for having graciously assisted you to attain your heart's desire and for having quaffed from the sealed wine of his utterance. From that day forward, Sayyid al-Muhammad referred to himself as the, ba the Bab and Mullah Hussein became his first disciple. Although the Bab was indeed the promised one foretold by Sheikh Ahmad and Sayyid Kazim, he taught that he was but the herald of another messenger, Baha'u'llah, Allah, who would appear very soon after him, and the power of whose revelation would far exceed any previously sent down by God. The day the Bab declared his mission is now, as he promised, celebrated by Baha'is around the world as one of the greatest and most significant of all festivals. So there you go. That's the story of the declaration of the Bab. So that is what uh, the Baha'is around the world will be celebrating on May 22nd. Well, it's, it's actually a week for um, many deep theological festivals. There is um, a lot. Uh, so this Sunday is also... Um, Trinity Sunday in the Christian Church and in the last couple of weeks we've been talking about Ascension and Pentecost which is when uh, first when Jesus goes up into heaven and then when the Holy Spirit comes down so the significance of this for Christians is that Christians believe or are supposed to believe that God exists in three persons which is already a strange grammatical construct so God exists as Father Son and Holy Spirit or what some mod more modern people will call the um, creator, the Son and the Holy Spirit, or um, some people will say creator, redeemer, sanctifier. So there's been some debate about whether the Holy Spirit is actually male or female or even genderless. Um, but the, 
there's a bit of a joke that goes around in churches that Trinity Sunday is such a difficult the the Holy Trinity is such a difficult concept to explain that when um, when you're studying theology or when you go out into your into your new church for your first time, you've got to preach on the Trinity because it's a kind of a, a baptism of fire, as it were. It's a it's a sort of thing that people throw on you when you're when you're a new new minister. Um, so it's a in terms of language and philosophy, it's a very strange thing to try and explain even though it's at the core of the Christian faith but um, I find that you know sometimes when you know when words fail music ha- um, is another way to get to understand things or, or to relate to things so we're going to hear a very um, classic hymn about the Trinity holy 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 performed by Sufjan Stevens you are listening to the spirit lounge on joy 94.9 and we have had a bumper of a show that was Mark's word for it. We have two guests, two holidays. Jeez. Two, how many different topics? And now for something completely different. Absolutely. We were looking for music to end, end this, this hour with, and I said, well, shall we talk about Eurovision? Because everybody else is. And Mark found out that we're not supposed to talk... Eurovision doesn't, isn't supposed to touch on politics or religion, even though this... This year's winner was actually a very political song, but... Yeah, religion and politics are the two things that songs shouldn't be talking about on Eurovision, so, you know, it kind of makes it a little bit hard for us to work with sometimes. So we're sort of scratching around thinking, well, what's from the Eurovision archives, which are extensive, um, that might have a bit of a relationship. But we've actually... We've got a, a slightly political entry this year. But was it... Um is this to do with the origin of Eurovision as it having a sort of political, um, not a political purpose, but it came about during the Cold War, where it was trying to, was it a an attempt at, I think it was an attempt at being at trying to promote peace between different different sides. Yeah, and so <clears throat> I only heard this on the radio myself this week, so don't quote me on it because I'm quoting them on it. Um, <laughs> I, I heard that the reason why Eurovision was started was to be somewhat of a bridge um, from like the east to the west uh, to take uh, to put some culture back in um, Berlin uh, and and such after the Berlin Wall was wall um, was put up and it was yeah so like a, a bridging um, I don't know the word I'm looking for but when you're talking about post-war Europe um, you've got the Cold War commencing so you've got the Iron Curtain coming down so to speak so it is about it was about trying to get Europe to be unified in in some way or form and and music was the way it was done. So um, Eurovision has perhaps taken on a life of its own and its own quirkiness and rules and all sorts of things as as was emphasized. And like Europe now includes Australia? I just don't get that. Okay, I've heard this conversation a lot lately. Eurovision has always included countries that are not part of Europe. It's always included Middle Eastern countries, um, some uh, Asian countries, and they have now welcomed Australia into that midst. And look, we are still part of the Commonwealth, so we kind of are, you know, Europe's niece or nephew or um, non-gender specific child, uh, family relation. Family relation. Family relation. We're, yeah, we're so... probably the illegitimate child, but let's not go there. <laughs> so for those who may not have caught up with the backstory to this year's song, uh, winning song, 19, 1944 by Jamala, it actually refers to 
an incident in Crimea in 1944, which was... Um, so this is uh, a song by a Ukrainian artist, which is about uh, an atrocity com committed by Russians, and it's now been interpreted as possibly referring to current um, difficulties between Russia and the Ukraine. So we'll be going out with 1944 by Jamila. Good night from myself, Claudine. Good night from Rachel. And good night from Mark. And the woods are coming up next. You're listening to Joy 94.9. Thanks for listening to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.